Hi, I'm Rob Jeffson, and my mission is to help sales leaders everywhere create record-setting growth in the companies they lead. I'm here to share the secrets of the world's most successful sales leaders. I don't care how big the company or how big the team, we showcase sales leaders who are taking what the market gives and then some. We feature leaders of teams who are beating their markets, winning at crazy rates, and creating life-changing years for the people they lead. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by Sales Leadership United, part of the Jepson Performance Group. Video segments of this and other episodes of the podcast can be found at Sales Leadership United, hosted on Patreon. Think of Sales Leadership United like a Home Depot for sales leaders. It's a comprehensive resource for sales leaders with over 100 hours of tools, training, and insights sorted and tagged into every category you might need to help you become an elite sales leader. A private podcast, sales leadership training, sales meeting insights, video insights, and much more are waiting for you to check out at Sales Leadership United. Don't reinvent sales leadership. Tap into proven tools and techniques used by many of today's most successful sales leaders and check out Sales Leadership United today. Now, get ready for some serious insights from this week's sales leader who's making it happen. And remember, don't worry, we got you. Hello, and welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, where high-growth sales leaders share high-growth practices and tactics. I know I always say how excited I am for our next guest. And this one, I got to be honest, this one's particularly exciting for me. I am so excited to welcome Mike Weinberg to our show for the first time. In my not-so-humble opinion, Mike is one of the top experts on sales leadership in the world. Mike's been a successful salesperson, an award-winning sales leader in several organizations, and now Mike advises some of the top sales leaders in the world. He's the author of not one, not two, but three best-selling books on sales leadership that I think we'll probably talk about, including one of my all-time favorites, Sales Management Simplified. It's on that bookshelf you see behind me, okay? Um, I think it should be required reading for every single sales leader. Mike's helped change how sales leaders do their job. He's had a huge impact on me and how I approach sales leadership. Mike's a highly sought after speaker, someone you need to be following if you're not already. And he's a person who will change how you approach sales leadership. Mike, so excited to have you. Welcome to our show. And thank you so much for joining me. I am not worthy of that intro, Rob. Would you call my kids? I was thinking, would you call the kids? I'm not sure they would buy 10% of that, but I am uh, appreciative and uh, thankful for your inflated view of me and the content. So thanks for tracking me down to do this. I am really pumped to speak with you. Well, I am too. I, I, uh, I'm a fan, man. I'm, I'm telling you, it, it's, uh, it's really cool for me to be on a, on a show with you right now. I've read everything you do. I follow your work. Uh, you've had a big influence on me and you've had a big influence on what we do. And, and I can't wait to talk about our topic today. What we're going to talk about, I think, is really important. So thank you from like as authentically as I can say. Thanks for joining me, man. Oh, my gosh. I'm pumped. Let's roll. Okay, let's go. Well, I always like to start by just having you just introduce yourself. I mean, I'm sure most of our listeners will know who you are. But why don't you just give us a really high level? Who, you know, What do you do for your customers and kind of what are you focused on right now? Yeah, I, I got one big why in business, and it's helping salespeople and sales teams win more new sales. That's why I do what I do. It's why I wrote the book. So I travel like a madman. Uh, I'm a guy from New York who's been uh, in the Midwest for 30 years. I lost most of my jerk and most of my accent, but they, they come out occasionally when, when I get wound up. I grew up in the home of a, of a sales executive, a big time New York City sales executive and swore I'd never go into sales. And of course, I ended up in sales and had a really solid career doing that. And uh, I 
this is my second time around doing consulting, coaching, speaking. And I love what I do. And I never, never, ever, ever thought I'd be in the position I'm in or have this platform to speak and know what other companies are doing or, or coach sales leaders or salespeople. So I'm absolutely ecstatic with uh, kind of what's happened to the business and the opportunities. This was not some grand plan. I didn't, I didn't write this dream up and say, hey, this is what I'm going to pursue. It just kind of happened. Um, if you would have seen the advance I got from my first book, New Sales Simplified, and kind of the way we all crossed our fingers when it came out, I didn't yeah. expect this. So uh, I just love helping salespeople. And honestly, this conversation, the reality I learned, and maybe it was, I don't know, probably eight or nine years ago, it finally sunk in. Once I got over being young and naive and arrogant and realizing that you can, you can coach and train the salespeople till the cows come home. But if we don't get the big stuff right, the big sales management stuff right, nothing changes for the long-term. And I got tired of banging my head against the wall, coaching, training salespeople when they were going back to the wrong culture, the wrong comp plan, the wrong leader, and the wrong talent management. And so the leader is really the key, right? That's where you get the multiplier effect. And I'm always saying, I mean, everything, every time I talk to salespeople, sales leaders, it's like, listen, you're the key. You're driving the culture. You're driving the results. You have the most important job, although the toughest job. So that's my story. I love your story, man. Your story fires me up. And you know, when we get to the end, I want to make sure we make it really easy to have our, our listeners get all of your books. And I like your podcast. They should be subscribing to your podcast as well, because you do. You bring really great insights um, around that sales leader deal. So we have we got like 20,000 sales leaders that are going to be listening to us today. Um, I'm really excited to, to get after this one a little bit, because when we were talking shop before we, we did this, you brought up two or three things that. I've really not talked about ever on the show. And it doesn't surprise me that you would have things that nobody else has brought up. So I'm excited to get after those today. So I think we should start with the first thing that you brought up to me. You, you, you said something that I wrote down, Mike. I'd, I'd like to really start with this. I, I think it's going to take us in a lot of different directions. You said something along the lines of, and I want you to say it the right way, that managers take up kind of more of both the heart and the mind of our reps than we ever give them credit for. Uh, that we actually might be a little more important to them than we even know. Mm. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. What's so interesting, Rob, the way you set that up, I've never talked about this publicly either. You asked me a really direct question when we we're having our prep conversation yeah. last week, what, what, what's on my mind and what am I seeing? Right. And it, this is something I tell people in private or in a small workshop, but I've never put, talked about it on my podcast or written articles about it. But this is, this is kind of my, my current observation. We in leadership and management are filling up much more of our people's minds and hearts. We're taking a ton of their emotional and mental bandwidth, and we don't give ourselves credit for that. And we also at times take for granted that that's happening. And we're not delivering either the time, the attention, the encouragement, the critique, the coaching, the accountability, the attaboy or the correction that our people desperately need. And I'm hearing it from salespeople all the time. And I'm observing it that they, when I say they, the sales managers in general are not aware of just how much of the brain and heart space they're occupying and how badly either their people need to hear from them or resent them because of the lack of leadership or faux leadership by email or, or appearing only to care about numbers or what passing along corporate crap but not, without filtering it. I mean, we could go down so many paths because we both are so engaged with real, with real leaders and real clients. But that's just on my mind that we need to be way more cognizant of the fact that they're thinking about us or emoting about us, their manager or their leader, 
way more than we realize. All right. I've written down a bunch of things. I have five things I've already written wow. down. We're at okay. a trailhead right now, man. We can go on hike A, B, C, D, or E at this point. <laughs> um, what Take a great kickoff. What a great yeah. kickoff. I, I think I want to go to the last one I wrote because it's top of mind right now, and I've never heard it before. You said a term that I've never heard and I already am in love with, and I want everybody that's listening to pay close attention to how Mike responds to this one because – I got a feeling that this is probably more rampant than any of us want to admit. The term you used was faux leadership. Okay. Can you define faux leadership? Because I don't want any of our listeners to accidentally or unawaringly be doing faux leadership, right? So good. When I, when I lead a supercharger sales leadership workshop in the beginning, the first thing I do is I go through 13 common sales leadership sins that damage culture and diminish results. And this is one of the 13. Okay. And I call it faux leadership by email or CRM. And I talk about desk jockey sales management. And it's just the reality that, and, and the way I phrase it, Rob, somehow, some way in the last decade, the sales manager job has devolved, not evolved, devolved into a desk and CRM and email jockey job. And we forget that we're not managing like drones right? These are humans with hearts and the humans that report to us, they win by connecting with other humans, right? By influencing them to make decisions and persuading and, and, and being reliable and, and all the things EQ that, that matter in sales. It's somehow we think we're going to lead them and manage them by sending a high volume of emails at two in the morning or by sticking our head in the CRM screen. And I can't stand how many emails management is sending to their people, asking for data, screaming about pipeline insufficiency, um, challenging things. I'm like, where's the human to human contact? And some of this comes from my mentor, who I mentioned like 94 times, one of my mentors in my books, Donnie Williams, mm -hmm. one of the great sales leaders ever born on this planet. And he drilled into me, Mike, you got to get this. Sales is more about the heart than it is about the head. And yet here we are, because most of us in management are overwhelmed. Most managers are outworking their people. Right. We're working 60 plus hours a week. We're getting hundreds of emails. We're putting up with all kinds of corporate crap. We're getting asked for nonsense by senior level management. And instead of filtering it, we overreact. We pass it along. We stay up all night and send emails to people. And I'm telling you, the reaction of your people, it's having the opposite effect. It's not motivating. It's not helping. It's not coaching. It's turning them off. And they're craving a human to lead them and to care and to be empathetic or to kick them in the ass either way, but at least talk to me like I'm a human with emotion. So why don't we just start there? Oh man. That faux is leadership, faux leadership by email, faux leadership by email. One of your 13 sins, uh, mistakes that we make and, and uh, hopefully they can get those when they get a hold of some of the other stuff. But I like that first one because I think it's right. Can we sit on this full leadership by email? Like I love how you said it devolved. Can we can we talk a little bit about that devolution instead of evolution? Can can we talk about that for a minute? Yeah. You, who's starting? You or me? I'll go, go first. I want I got okay. I want to show something at you and see and have you respond. I I call it spreadsheet leadership. Um, you know this when when the age of data quote i got air quotes if you're on sales leadership united you'll see this i got the data-driven leadership that comes through and um and i think that's what made people feel like they could become an armchair quarterback and turn their head to their screens and do all these things you talked about and all of a sudden these observable moments the moments of observation where I actually watch what's happening starts to change and and i found that um and i'll shut up i really can't wait to hear what you think 
that this, this is that that emotion top thing you talk about. People realize they're all I am is where I rank on the leaderboard, and and nobody wants to have just be like, how do you measure against the average? It's like it, it, I think that's like really depersonalized. And I think leadership is a very personal thing and spreadsheet leadership is a very impersonal thing. And I'm really interested in your take on that. I think it's brilliant. I, I don't, there's not much to add. Here's what I want to say to the audience. I was nodding like crazy when you, when you were, you were kind of <laughs> sharing the, how, how we get here. But these two things are not mutually exclusive. We can be kick-ass and results-focused and have a healthy, high-performance culture that's always talking about goals and results and pipeline health. And at the same time, be human, right? So that's where I think people get get all wrapped up because I'm the first guy to say, we got to hold people accountable. We're going to talk about a one-on-one accountability meeting. I think it's one of our highest value activities. Mm. But that's not in place of caring and coaching and developing. And and those things are not mutually exclusive. So I just want to make sure we're really clear on this. I I think this devolution has partly come about because of technology. And the fact that we're able to make judgments, snap judgments sometimes by staring into a screen and looking at CRM stats or um, key metrics. And because we're all under pressure to hit those things and we're being challenged by those above us to produce numbers, we kind of knee-jerk react and we and we, we hammer on those things, but without the coaching piece. And I, I, I wrote a, uh, an analogy in, in Sales Manager Simplified where I talked about Think about how, how absurd it would be for a baseball manager. You know, I know you love baseball, yep. right? So, so the baseball manager, if he didn't actually observe the game, if he sat up in some faraway room and just got fed stats on a ticker tape, like coming across the bottom of the screen, and at the end of the game, he, he would make judgments on, on how pe- people were doing and, and how they should be coached just by looking at the statistics that took place in the game, but never watching it with his own eyes. Like that's, that's a stupid, right? It's not possible. You would think that's not, that you can't lead people. You can't lead a team that way, but how many sales leaders, that's exactly how they manage their people. 100%, 100. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but keep going, man. Keep preaching. 100%. No, I mean, it's, it's, they need, they need, they need your observation. I mean, how much of what we do if we're coaching is because we're watching and then we're speaking into, or we're modeling, right? Hey, watch me on this one. Let's talk about how to play this out or let's tag team this account or let's do some deal strategy. Or, you know, I really sense you're struggling here when we get to this part of a sales call or you're getting beat by this competitor or whatever those things are. You, if you're not there watching and observing and diving in and interacting with the human side of it, it there's no way they're going to improve. And again, I'm not saying not to hold them accountable. Accountability is our most important job is making sure our people do their job, but it's only part of the equation. And, and the, the leadership by email and the CRM screen, it only further creates this, this gap and this dissonance and this resentment that the salesperson already has because you're not supporting them. You hired them or you inherited them and you're holding them accountable, but you're not helping them and you need to do both. Mm. We're going to come back to accountability without micromanaging. That's one of the things we're going to talk about. Remember I said we were at the trailhead and I had five things. Work, I'm not going to do all five. We talked about spreadsheet leadership. We talked about flow leadership by email. I want to go to the one you started with, man, because I think this is a big, this is a big one. That's why you started with it. You said they crave it. You said they, 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 it reminds me of when I was coaching my little league baseball teams or basketball teams. They wanted desperately to have the coach tell them they did good. Right. Um, I, I want to dive in a little bit to that. You scratched the surface. Then you talked about coaching. You talked about collaborating. You started to talk about all these ways that you can create moments of observation. 
how do you give them what they crave and still like, how do you do that? I mean, there's gotta be professional versus personal, or maybe there's not. I mean, I'd be really interested. What are some best practices? You That's mentioned good. high value activities. How do you do that without like overdoing I'll, it? I'll give you a couple of best practices. I'll steal one or two from some of my clients that are brilliant right. at this. I keep learning from them. Um, it, it's, it's such an interesting topic because again, we take up so much of their, their mental bandwidth here. Here's the deal. People crave affirmation and life is hard, right? And I'm, I'm going to try not to get overly emotional in my reaction here, but are we not all exhausted in every way, mentally, emotionally, physically from the last two years? Like sales management has always been hard. And then just like COVID and all this craziness on top Amen. of it, nothing, nothing is right. I mean, look at, you can't even get an appointment with a counselor today, right? I mean, whether forget just teenagers, adults, it's the world's a mess yep. and you have a responsibility as the leader of, of your people to actually care for how they're doing. And one of the ways you can care for them is just tell them, I care. How are you? I'm thinking about you. What's going on in your world? How can I support you better? And sometimes it's just a check-in phone call with absolutely no agenda. And then sometimes it's just letting someone know that you're on their mind because I'm telling you that you're on your people's minds. And I'm, there's a sales executive I work with and he, he says that he does this very intentionally. He keeps a list of all of his people that report to him. And he has this little checklist going of, you know, their hobby, their favorite college football team, wow. something going on in their family life. And what he'll do is once a day, he'll grab his phone and he'll grab that list and he'll cycle through it and he'll send some, he'll look for some news or article and he'll, he'll send a random text. At least it feels random to the person receiving it, but he's actually planned this out because it's in his calendar. And he'll send a note to a salesperson to go, Hey, I see that your Crimson Tide just got picked up this new five-star recruit. That's awesome. And by the way, how you doing? And the lift that he gets in his people's heart, because he's letting that salesperson know, hey, I'm watching your favorite sports team because it matters to you, even though it doesn't matter crap to me, and send a little note. Hey, that was a nice win for your, you know, your ball club last night. That's great. Hey, what else is going on? That level of personal interaction and letting someone know that we're thinking about you and hey, congrats on this. The amount of lift he gets, the kick he's putting in someone's step, that they're important enough to get a text from the boss. Yeah. Right. I mean, so it's, it's little things like that. That's such good advice because right now I know that it's more important than ever before to care about the whole person and not just the salesperson. And I love that because if they know that you're connected to them as a person, it makes it so much easier to be connected to what leads to their performance. How important is it to do more than just have one-on-one? So let's stay on the, I love how you checked on the personal side. I want to come to the personal side. How important is it to do more than just have the one-on-one and the coaching, which we'll talk about. How important is it to do what you said, like collaborate and kick around deals and kick around like what they're working on and, and insert yourself and, and show you can actually help them do their job. Is that important right now? Boy, I think it's always been important and probably more than ever now. Because people feel isolated or they feel lonely or they're not able to get together in person. At least now I think we're coming through that. I think it's huge. I think everybody wants you kind of check in. I just got, it's interesting. I got, I got in the last four days, I got several messages. I'm up to three now from top sales producers, just with a little, Hey, just wanted you to know I made number one in my company or I, I made president's club again, unsolicited. These aren't even necessarily people I'm that close with. They're, they're salespeople at clients. One of them has turned into a friend. But they wanted, they wanted to brag and they wanted someone to celebrate them. And honestly, I gave some thought back to what I wrote back to each of them because I knew that what I was going to say to them mattered. 
And if mm. I said the right thing and, 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 and bless them with some words of love and encouragement and also challenge to keep it up, I knew that it would, it would have a significant impact on them. And we, we, we need to do that in terms of the, the coaching piece. What else is there to our job? In fact, I make the argument when I'm teaching this stuff, there are three high impact activities as a sales leader. All and right. There's probably more, but I go to three. One of them is the one-on-one accountability. The second one, which is almost tied for first, some people would argue it's more important, is coaching. To me, coaching means you're with your person. You're either observing them, you're planning with them, you're strategizing with them, you're actually working alongside them or debriefing and giving feedback and planning afterwards. All of that I could I could lump into coaching. By the way, I love that you distinguish the one-on-one from that. Thank you for doing that. Yeah, and most people, people don't lump them together. Yeah, we, we can talk about that. But that what else is more important than coaching and developing? And here's my here's my my gig. If you're not doing it, sales leader, then who is? And I regularly stand up in front of a room of, of managers and go, listen, it's great for my sales training business that you don't mentor and coach and develop your people, but I'd be happier to give that business up. I'd find some other way to make the revenue. Would you please go work with your people? It's not optional. And, the, and part of the reason our people get outsold and they're getting commoditized and they're coming across like a vendor instead of a value creator and an advisor is because no one's riding with them. Nobody's watching and look like an amateur on a sales call and say, hey, hey, slow down. Why are you presenting so fast? And why did you not follow up on that probing question? And why did you run through that yellow light and try to try to get to the next step when you realize there were objections we didn't uncover? Like all that stuff that my managers and my coaches did when I was young. That I mean, I I've had the success in sales because of mentors, right? And my question I always ask everyone is, where did the mentors go? And if you don't do the coaching, your people are going to get outsold. And mm. well, again, I'm happy to sell you training content. That's not the answer. The answer is you working alongside your people. And frankly, I think you owe it to them. You have people on your team that are struggling that are not as effective at their job as they could be. And it's not necessarily just the DNA or the talent fit or even their effort. Sometimes it's just undeveloped skill. It could be DNA. It could be lack of effort, but the other bucket is skill. (laughs) So shouldn't we be the ones that that create the skills and help them? Mike, I love it. Seriously, you're getting me like um, I'm... it takes a lot for me to shut up, up, man. And I love, I'm shutting up listening to you because um, those three, I mean, I tell you, that, that's it. You're right. And that here's what I think is good. And I want to sit on this. I didn't expect us to talk about this. Um, I think everything goes back to your role. The, you know, for a salesperson, I always start with role. What's the role of salespersons? And then what are the high value activities? And let's make sure we do more of those. Sales leaders are so focused on salesperson's role. They often forget what's your role. I'd love to ask you, based on what you just told me, I think I know the answer, but I'd like to throw it out. What do you think the primary role of a sales leader is? I'm still processing that enormous statement you just made because it's so big and we are so aligned on this. I mean, what I just want to repeat back what I heard you say. You heard that we get too caught up as the leader focused on what our salespeople's job is and we yeah. forget what our job is. That's right. Boy, that's powerful because I, I like to say it this way. The only thing that's similar about our job as the leader and the salesperson's job is the word sales but they're complete opposite jobs. In one, you succeed by being selfish. In the other one, it's by being selfless, right? I mean, go ahead, jump in it. Cause I I feel like I struck a chord with you there. Like winning through your people versus winning on your own, right? Yeah. So when I ask people, what's the role I often, especially from, I don't, I'm not going to even say it's, I feel like it's almost an epidemic. I hear a lot of sales leaders say, well, my role is to make sure we hit our team number. And I don't agree with that. I think our role is growth and improvement of the people that we lead. And if we can help them have intentional growth and improvement, 
then that will create intentional success in what happens with their role in selling. Yeah. Wow. That's and, good. And lead through, lead through your people because, because yes. here's the consequence of the, of the thing you said, the sales leader who says to you, my job is to deliver the number. Think about the dangerous implications of that statement. That means that I may have to go deliver the number myself, yep. which leads sales managers to play the hero on the team instead of being focused on making heroes of the people. Winning okay, we have people. to sit in this. We have to sit in this. Okay. This happens. Keep going. Keep going on That's this. That's a big hero. can of worms right yeah. there. I, one of the sins, this is one of my 13. And I know this one I usually dive into and do a long exercise. And there's a lot of causes, but okay. there are a whole lot of people, particularly newer managers, who see themselves as the hero of the team. And instead of coaching, they do. Instead of leading, they do. Instead of holding accountable, they do. Now, there's a lot of causes for this, and I'm just going to throw out a couple, and I'm sure I'm going to blow your mind here, and you're going to want to say a few things, but there's a, there are reasons people play hero. You have no sometimes idea how fun this is. Thank you. Sometimes, sometimes they, they play hero because they don't know any better. It's the legacy way of operating, and they were told, hey, you're the superhero. Go get it done. On the last day of the quarter, you got to be on airplanes closing deals. And sometimes they play hero because their ego is so big, and they want the limelight, and they don't want to share it with their people. And sometimes they play hero because they're under tremendous pressure to deliver numbers. And all they know is just work harder, go get it done and go do it. And, and sometimes they play the hero because it's easier. It's faster, right? Easier to go catch someone a fish than to teach them to fish. Mm -hmm. What's easier. You're more talented. Of course you can catch that fish. And then the last one is, and this is the scariest one, you know, as the boss that you have insufficient talent on your team, you've got a talent deficiency. They can't get it done. But because you're so driven to produce the numbers, instead of doing the responsible thing, which would be coach up or coach out and recruit and develop, you just go do it. But all those reasons, you put them together. We got all these managers running around working 70 hours a week, playing the hero on, on burnout, overwhelm. And you got salespeople with their feet on the desk who aren't either being challenged or getting developed. And it's not a sustainable model. Right. So I'll yield here because I'm sure I pushed a button or two of yours. And that hero thing, it's the wrong mentality. It's not sustainable. You know, I think I want to find out why you think it happens. I got a couple of ideas. Number one, many times they're good at it. It's fun. I like being able to do it. It feels good, man. I, I mean, listen, I don't know about you, but I, I, I grew up doing deals, man. It's fun doing deals. I like Absolutely. doing deals. It's good, man. There's something cool about bringing something across the fish line. It's an easy trap to get into. Um, but I think another one is I think sales leaders often do what was done to them. Mm. And because so few actually had great sales leaders, I asked what, what made me think of this. And I've said it on the show. I'd be love to get your take on this. I have one of my clients that I work with that said, Rob, one of the things that scares me is I never had that leader who was this massive difference maker for me. I always, you know, kind of felt like I had to figure stuff out. Now that I'm the sales leader of, you know, 90 people and I got a big blah, blah, blah. It's like, I'm really worried that since I never had it shown to me, I'm not sure I know what to do without jumping in and screwing it up and blah, all these different things. I think sales leaders often just do what we're done for them. I mean, what do you think? Yeah, absolutely. They're, they're mimicking what they saw and they didn't have a great manager themselves. And the senior leadership at their current company isn't asking for the right things. Yep. So they don't even know one of, one of the really smart sales leaders I've ever met with the uh, guy named Dennis Sorensen. And he, he's the client that has stretched me more than any client has stretched me. I mean, the guy would make me read like a book by a German pricing engineer and he'd make me teach on stuff I wasn't even comfortable with because he wanted to get the most out of me as an outsider. 
And one of the things he taught me was senior management should not reward the sales management behavior that they don't want. So when, and my, 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 my other friend, Nate, who was the gentleman I was telling you about earlier, uh, the same company, one of the greatest sales ops leaders I've ever met. Now he's a, a sales leadership rock star. When your sales manager goes to the senior VP and says, hey, I just want you to know, I got this deal done. I jumped in at the last minute. It was all screwed up. My team had botched it, but I got on the plane. I went and turned it around. I got the client figured out. I got the deal closed. Instead of the senior VP looking at that sales manager and going, I'm really proud of you. Thanks for saving that deal. The question should be, and this is not my, I take no credit for this. This is from Dennis and Nate, my client. They're the ones that said to me, shouldn't the question at that point be from the senior VP? Now, why did it happen that way? And why was the deal so screwed up in the first place? And were you not coaching your person all along behind the scenes? Right. How did it get to the situation where you had to jump in and be the hero? Something's wrong here. That's a very different reaction. So I think part of the reason they do it is it's, it's, it's not criticized and good leadership isn't modeled well. And then you, you said it earlier, Rob, tremendous pressure. Yeah. You got to make the number. So you say it's on me. So you just go do it. Yep. But just doing it is not the same thing as winning through your people. And yet the manager can't play all nine positions on the baseball field. And part of the reason, and I've had grown men, I'm talking like men, not just women, men in their fifties cry in workshops with me and say things like, I got to get my life back. I can't do it. I'm working 70 hours. I'm doing six people's jobs. And I look at them and I'm like, where'd you get the idea you're supposed to do six people's jobs? Yeah. That's not leadership. Yeah. I, we could talk about this. I, I, one of my favorite examples is when was the last time, think of your favorite sports, you know, I don't care if it's baseball, football, basketball. Um, I know you're a big Purdue fan. When was the last time that you saw the head coach of the basketball team call time out and put himself in the game? Never. Yeah. <laughs> Never. I, I asked that someone, they said, oh, not very often. I said, how likely is it? They said, not very likely. They said, not very likely. <laughs> like, not likely at all. And they laugh. We laugh like this. And I think that's an important perspective. But I, I think so we've got to stop on this here because you've given good insight. You've, you've challenged some thinking. I hope people will reach out and maybe get more of your stuff to look at, to learn more on this. I want to spend some time on, on the second thing we're going to talk about. Cause we got less than 20 minutes left, Mike, we could okay. spend the whole thing on this first one. I want to spend a little time on two more things, especially the next one. You have some really great insights that you shared with me on accountability without micromanaging or accountability without being an asshole or, you know, yeah. nobody wakes up wanting to be managed. Everybody wants to have a leader. Like I said, they crave leadership. They want it. They, they want someone to help them. How, where does accountability fit in that? How do you do that the right way? And still having people feel like I'm optimistic and this is good. I'm not like just being told what to do. How, how does that work? I think it's our most important job. And what's so intriguing, Rob, is this is such a non-sexy topic. Mm. If you go on LinkedIn, right? And there's a lot of garbage on LinkedIn. You and We've I talked about, about that. that. Yep. Yeah. And there, there's some good, there's some good stuff out there. But there's also a lot of nonsense because the barrier to entry to being in the business that Rob and I are in, the barrier to entry is an internet connection and a LinkedIn profile. That's right. right. I mean, if you put out popular stuff, even if it's garbage and totally ineffective, not going to help anybody, but you get enough likes, you get a big enough following, people will read your stuff. That's right. That doesn't mean it's going to work. So be careful who you're listening to. And, and in, in the world of the charlatans and the sales thought leadership world, there's a lot of people that have a lot of ideas. And one of the things they never talk about is accountability. It's not sexy. They want to talk about cadences and AI and tools and toys. And that's great. You can, you can have that. And sales enablement, right? And I've got 
I've come a long way in my appreciation and respect for sales enablement. I used to make fun of it when it was just a buzzword. And now there's like, it's legitimate, right? And yep. there's executives and people that are my friends and clients that do amazing jobs. They're difference makers you. now. They do it right. It's difference makers for sure. They are. It's a huge thing. But here's, here's what I always remind people. While it's trendy to talk about enablement and coaching, I think accountability trumps both of those. Getting your people to do their job. And this was a wake up call for me as a leader and an executive, I didn't realize that you had all people accountable to do their job, but that's our, that's our most important job. And you don't have to be a jerk and you don't have to be real emotional, but you need to review the facts. And what I typically will do when I'm with a group of managers, I'll ask them. So tell me how you do accountability. How often do you get together and have an accountability conversation with your people? And you would chuckle, but the, the answer I get is always very nebulous. It's like, well, Mike, Come on. I talk to everybody every day and I, I know every deal. Yeah, exactly. I know every deal. If I'm yeah. not talking to them, I'm emailing them. I'm, I'm in the CRM. I see what's going on. And I say, okay, let me ask you the question differently. How often do you have a sit down scheduled formal, not a text, not a hallway conversation. How often do you have a sit down scheduled formal conversation where you're going to shine the light of truth on this salesperson's in this order results, pipeline, and activity. Those are the three RPA results, pipeline and activity. And this framework that I've named the sales management accountability progression. And this is the most popular chapter in sales management simplified. It's chapter 20 and the free guide that's on my website. It's about this this concept and where that framework comes from. I didn't invent it. I, I took it from my mentor, Donnie Williams, who used to run me through this meeting when I was his sales guy and he was the VP of sales. And it was so brilliant because most managers, when they try to ramp up accountability, they start with activity, which nobody wants you asking about. You're not a child, right? We're not, we're not. The reality is we really shouldn't even care about activity, but we go there because it's easy. And we know intuitively the sales, the sales math works and activity, the right activity against the right accounts creates opportunities, which fill a pipeline and a pipeline was what leads to results. But where my mentor, Donnie was so brilliant. He flipped that on its head because he hated micromanagement. And he showed me the way to do accountability and have everybody feel good about it is you hold off on the activity conversation until you look at someone's results against goal and where they rank on the team. And then you always dive into the pipeline because the pipeline is tomorrow's results, right? It's the lifeblood of the business, right? So you, you do results and then you do pipe. And if the pipeline is super, even the person's missing their number, if the pipeline's healthy and they're adding new opportunities and they're advancing opportunities and it's full and the coverage is there, you don't kill them. You're like, that's great. Let me help you. But if the pipeline's not there, right? They're not adding, they're not advancing. The the coverage is weak. The pipeline's anemic. Then the manager's got no choice left but to go down the path. Hey, can we talk about your activity? What have you been doing? Why is there nothing in this pipe? So that flow results, then pipe, then activity. It's, It's a guaranteed foolproof framework for not coming across like a micromanager. And if you do that meeting well, and I advocate you could do it in 10 minutes a month, honestly, it's just about the facts. Let's review this together. Where are you against goal? Where are you against the team? Or what about other things we're measuring? Maybe new accounts acquired. Yep. Let's look at your pipe. What's in there? What'd you advance? What'd you create? And if those numbers are good and we're comfortable, that's the end of the accountability meeting. And holding off activity till the end is really one of the tricks. So that's a really good one. What I like about it is, it's really hard to argue, Mike, with in the absence of production, I have to look at activities. That's a fair thing to say in the absence of that. But it, but you're only getting there at the very end 
because you're showing I'm more concerned about what's happening than how you spent your time. Amen. And because what I really care about as a sales leader is the pipeline. Yeah. Because the pipeline is the lifeblood, right? Jeb Blunt. your lifeline, baby. Yeah. Yeah. Jeb Blunt's a friend of mine. He's got some amazing books and I've, I've been in a room with him when he's speaking or, or talking to salespeople and he makes them chant. The pipe is life. The pipe is life. I've been saying for a long time, it's the lifeblood. I, I agree with him hundred percent. So I want to dig and put most of my accountability time looking at the pipeline because I know that's what's going to lead to future results. And Donnie, this is where my mentor was so brilliant of this 10 minute meeting or 15 minute meeting where he'd come in my office and he'd play around. He was always in a good mood. He never threatened me and he didn't threaten anybody. And he'd, he'd say, Mike, how you doing? And I would start to answer because I knew this was the accountability meeting, right? It was like the fourth of the month. The sales report had just come out. And I'd be like, Donnie, I'm doing great. He'd say, never mind, Mikey. Let's look at the report. I'll tell you how you're doing. And for a minute or two, we would stare at the numbers. And if I blew my quota away, he would applaud. And then he would do a quick look-see in the pipeline. But if I didn't make my number, he would stare at me over his glasses or even drop the glasses on the desk for dramatic effect and go, hey, so you, you, you can't tell me what happened here? You missed your number? What, what happened? And what are you going to do about it? And the pressure, and this is what I think we've gotten away from as managers. This is not politically incorrect. This is not abusive. This is a fact-based data conversation where a leader is sitting down with his or her person and saying, you were supposed to sell X, you sold 30% less than X. What happened? And you make them answer with a little sweat on their forehead. That's good pressure. Mm. But this is where he was so brilliant because the results are a lagging indicator, right? It's yesterday's news. You can't change them. Donnie is so brilliant. He'd say, you know what, Mike, let's not, let's not belabor this. Let's not dwell on it. You can't do anything about it. What I really care is about this month and this quarter's business. So let's put the results behind us. You didn't do what you needed to. Now let's make sure you're going to make your number for this month and this quarter, grab the pipeline and let's go in here together and do a really good look. See, is there enough coverage? You got enough deals? Have you, have you added enough? Like, and that's where all of a sudden as the manager, you now start getting all these ideas for coaching and what you might need to cover in team meetings but you're not letting the person off the hook. And you said something earlier. I just want to tie into this. I advocate that you separate your coaching meeting from your accountability meeting. Because what happens is if you start coaching the salesperson, let's say you've gone through the results, the results aren't good. You're going through the pipeline. It's skinny. There's not enough deals in there. And now you're feeling the pressure as the manager. I better coach this guy because we got to get these deals closed. And then you stop doing accountability. And now you're giving ideas and you're letting him make excuses, and you're, you're doing deal strategy together, which I love doing, but not in this meeting. Because what happens is what should be a 10 or 15 minute accountability meeting now turns into an hour. And by the time that salesperson gets up to leave, they feel pretty good about themselves. And they forgot that icky feeling of you shining the light of truth on their results and their pathetic pipeline. And you've now diluted the impact of your accountability. They forgot that. I want the salesperson walking out of my accountability meeting going, oh crap, I better not do that again. I better fill this pipeline. I better get it done. And what I coach managers is if your person needs coaching, then right there, say, hey, grab your calendar. Let's go have lunch. Let's, let's, get up a, let's set up a lunch. Let's get together next week. Let's do this enhanced one-on-one. I'll come spend more time with you. But don't dilute the power of the one-on-one where you're doing accountability. Before we go to the last topic, I can't believe we're down. We have less than 10 minutes left, Mike. I, I, I could talk to you for a couple hours. I I hope you'll agree to come back sometime uh, down the road and we pick up where we left off, my friend. I can't wait to interview you. (laughs) (laughs) Excuse me. Yeah, that'd be fun. But right now we got, 
like I said, 20,000 people listening to you. I want to, we just flew over something and we really like started to dig. We got a lot of people listening that probably are leading with cadences right now. They probably say, Hey, to be a member of this team, it's X number of calls or it's X number of emails or to those people. Do you have any advice? Like, I don't like pigeon management. We fly over it. We poop on it. We fly away. Okay. And uh, we, we just address something that a lot of people think is like the Holy writ, you know, we, we must make X number of calls, right? Uh, any thoughts to those people? Cause you flipped it around, man. Activities were last in your book. Yeah. Because the guy that mentored me and I was the number one sales guy. Right. And I didn't want to have that meeting with him. Like it was pressure. We we're yeah. going to look at my results. We we're going to look at my pipeline and only when necessary, when we talk about activity, I think he had it right. That avoids anyone playing the micromanagement card. It, it, it's, it's the thing we care most about. I understand cadence. I understand key metrics. I understand activities. I'm a fan of the sales math. I, I, I am not ever going to say that activity doesn't drive pipeline, but I don't think that's how you manage. I think you can set expectations, but at the end of the day, if someone's blowing away their numbers and they're not coasting, they're not complacent, and therefore you're doing really good pipeline accountability and you're always challenging, what are you putting in the top? What are you advancing? I'm very comfortable not asking about activity at that point because I don't think that sales, and this is part of why I'm in sales. There are three Fs, fun, okay. freedom, financial reward. Love I became it. a sales hunter because those are the three things I wanted. And, and most people that are in sales are super competitive and super driven. If you're any good, you're competitive and you're driven. Those people don't need their activity managed. They bring their own batteries to work. So I just, I'm very careful about not wanting to deflate people by coming across as a micromanager. And, and this is when I, when you do it the way I was mentored. And I mean, I took Donnie's framework and I made it famous. Okay. But he, he came up with it. I, I give him all the credit for this. Every no time, one has man. a micromanagement yeah. card to play. There's no card because when they tell you, boss, I don't like you looking at my activity. I don't like this. It's not comfortable. I'm like, dude, I don't like it either. And I'll give you a choice. If you don't want me getting in your underwear and asking about your activity, then sell more and fill the pipeline up and I'll stop asking. Otherwise, and this is the way I like to say, I'm not cool with you failing. So either fix the pipeline and start closing more business, or you're going to have to go somewhere else where they're okay with you. But I don't want to leave with the activity because that's not the message I want to send. Mm. That's a great way to end. I, 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 we could have had any one of these three topics be the whole episode and still run out of time. But I, I want to take the last thing we were going to talk about. And I want to shift to what your common, most common thing you've talked about all day was Donnie. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know Donnie, but I, I wish I did. Um, I, I already shared with you one of my, my uh, a great sales leader for a company you would know very well told me his great fear was I, I never had someone show me how to do it right. And I don't want to screw up the lives of other people like someone did to me. Okay. And, um, and, and you were fortunate to have someone who did do that for you, right? They did do that for you. And I hear the way you talk about them and, and the way you're so happy to give this person so much of the credit, which is humble because I'm sure you put your own fingerprint on mm-hmm. many of those things as well. I think this is one of the keys to getting that emotional engagement with the people that you lead, right? I don't know if it's because of trust. I don't know if it's because of you believe in their competence, because I think there's three C's of trust. It's your character, it's your competence, it's your connection. I don't know if it's because you believed he had your best interest in mind. I don't know if it's because you believed he had that competence that you just needed to follow his lead because you trusted him so much. I don't know what it is, but this gentleman certainly got engagement out of you. Is that, is that fair to say? Yeah, absolutely. How and, do you and- do that? 
and he had a very different, I mean, we had a, that particular company, we had 16 salespeople and they were really different from all kinds of different backgrounds and levels of experience. And he was really good at managing everybody as an individual, but everybody went through that accountability meeting every month because Donnie wanted to make his bonus. And while he hated micromanagement, he was super competitive and money driven. And he helped us everyone understand that he was on our side. And in order for him to win, we all had to win. So he did, he, he really understood the level of engagement. And, you know, it was easy for me, maybe because we were friends and I respected him personally. Um, but, you know, it was him. And then there were other guys in my life, other men that were either CEOs um, and my dad and, and other, my first real sales manager when I moved into sales, all of them put their fingerprints on me and they all had flaws, but they also all in ways engaged me and challenged me and coached me and made me better. But Donnie was just uniquely gifted in understanding the heart of a salesperson and getting senior level leaders to understand what the sales management's you know, the sales manager's job was. And that's one of my great confusions today as I look around. I feel like some of the challenges we have in sales performance today is because senior executives have forgotten the primary job of the sales leader, which is to lead the team and drive revenue. And one of the other 13 reasons that sales teams stink and the culture is not what it should be and the results are poor is because the company buries the sales manager in all kinds of corporate crap and drags them to every meeting and sends them 900 emails and never lets them find time for those high payoff activities we've been talking about, accountability and coaching and leading good meetings. And that's where things get really jacked up. But yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I, you're right. I took Donnie's stuff and I put my own fingerprints on it. And I, I'm, I'm appreciative of that. The fact that I, I've borrowed things that he, he did with me and to me when he was my manager. Um, but the guy was absolutely brilliant at this and it's fun to share it with the world. And I can't believe this is the thing I'll say to the audience, whether I'm with the world's greatest sales managers, and I will tell you regularly, I meet with people that could manage me under the table. I have learned as much from my clients as they've learned from me. But when I'm with Tracy, a woman out in the West Coast who may be the best frontline sales manager I ever met, or Mike, a senior executive at a tech company, like I learned so much from these people. But every one of their organizations, when I see people implement the Donnie sales management progression that I yeah. named, the, I, they, they get transformative change. And if they're incredible, they get change. And if they're struggling, they get double change. Because there's something magical about that, that formula and putting that salesperson on a hot seat and results pipe activity in that way. 100% of the time when that gets implemented, woo, look out, good things happen. I love it. So I want to wrap, uh, we're, we're out of time. This went fast. I, I want to first have, you know, have you share with our listeners, how do they get more of you? How do they connect? How do they see what you're doing? How do they get your stuff, all of it. I, I want to make it really easy for them to find more of Mike. And I hope that plenty do. And then I'm going to, when that's done, I'm going to ask you just kind of any final thoughts about, you know, becoming a Donnie in the lives of the people that they lead. Right. I, I hope mm. that's an okay way to, to frame that because that seems like a really good theme. Like you, you've re- pointed back there all the time. So that's where we're going to go. So if, how do they get more of you? How, how do they connect with you? Where do they get your stuff? I'll, I'll, sure. I'll, you're super how, generous. How Rob, you're so generous. Thank you for the kind words and the, and the opportunity to speak with your, your sales leader listeners. Um, my website's the best place to start. MikeWeinberg.com. W-E-I-N-B-E-R-G. MikeWeinberg.com. And we'll put that link in the show notes as well. Awesome. There's a freebie. There's a couple of freebies right on the homepage, but one of them is my guide to how to do this. And it's, and I call it the fastest way to increase accountability, 
reduce complacency and create a healthy high-performance culture. And it comes with a 15-minute video and a five-page guide that unpacks much cleaner than I said it today, that framework and how to implement that, that meeting. That's a great freebie that people should grab. I've got a podcast, uh, nowhere near as prolific or as popular yet as yours, but I can't believe the connection it's creating with, with yeah. listeners. And I had no idea. I don't want to do a podcast. Everyone said, you got to do it. You got to do it. I'm like, no, everyone has a podcast. I'm amazed at the depth of the relationships I'm in because of people that listen. And you can get to the podcast on my site. It's called the Sales Management Simplified Podcast or find it on any podcast platform. Um, I'm a subscriber. I'll tell all of our listeners. I, I love it. You, you've had a couple of really, like you recently had a series on how you get like how to keep your reps from getting like neutralized and yeah. Neutralized and commoditized. It, it, that's awful. Yeah. yeah. I listened to your stuff, man. It was, it was, Thanks, that was a, yeah, that's, that was a great series. I enjoyed that. Thank you. know, and it's rare. I do those for salespeople, you know, 90% of my episodes are kind of directed towards the sales leader. Cause they're the ones that need the support. There's all kinds of resources for salespeople, but occasionally I, I got to bring in something like I, I'm about to drop an episode on prospecting. And I interviewed this guy, in Europe, who's incredible on the telephone. And he was talking about how the phone is still sexy. And I'm like, my audience needs to hear this. And I got him to give me the audio. And I took some excerpts. I just want to see people succeed. You know, yep. I want to see sales leaders have teams that succeed and sales leaders that increase their quality of life and accomplish more sales management in less time. And if we can give people the tools to do that, because they're all working so hard. And I'll just, I want to wrap where we started. Like these people, you're listening to the show. You have the most important job on the planet. But as my dad said, it's the hardest freaking job because everybody wants a piece of you. And if you don't, if you don't succeed, your team's not going to succeed. So we want to, we, Rob and I want to equip you and, and make you super successful because as you go, so goes your sales team. And so go the results. Okay. Mike, I, what a great way to end. We, we took more of your time than I thought. I apologize, but you're worth it, man. Thank you so much for everything you've shared. Um, this was fantastic. Like I said, I hope we get you back. His name is Mike Weinberg. If you haven't connected with him, you need to. If you haven't read his books, get a hold of him. If you're not subscribed to his podcast, you'll be glad. You know, you'll thank me for that. Uh, he, he's helping leaders all around the world do simple things like have accountability without micromanaging and, and give them that leadership that they crave. And, and if you ever find yourself wondering, how do I create more connection with the people that I lead? rather than just correction for how they do their job, check out what Mike has to offer. He's going to help you out. Mike, like I said, everybody, thank you so much for joining my, my joining me, my friend, and, and, and happy selling. Awesome. Yeah, the pleasure is mine. Here's to great sales leadership. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another So What portion of the Sales Leadership Podcast, where we break down that interview and we ask ourselves, why did that conversation even matter? But first... This podcast is brought to you by Sales Leadership United, part of the Jepson Performance Group. And if you're like most leaders, you've got killer sales process, proven sales tools, and great sales training in place, but you've been left on your own to figure out your sales leadership process, sales leadership tools, and maybe most important, sales leadership training and systems. And while there's no, while there's no shortcuts to success, you will get there faster if you take the most direct route. And that's why I created Sales Leadership United as a resource center for every sales leader. No matter how long you've been leading sales teams, you're going to find something you like at Sales Leadership United. If you liked the content of this podcast, I'm telling you, you're going to love the sales leadership content in my community for sales leaders, Sales Leadership United. You can find it on Patreon, and it's like a Home Depot for 
sales leaders. You'll find video excerpts of this episode and all of our podcasts in three to five minute segments, all tagged and organized by topics you care about most to help you in your sales leadership journey. You'll find my very best content, over 100 hours of sales leadership training materials, sales meeting ideas, sales leadership and coaching systems, and so much more. You'll find everything you'd ever want in Sales Leadership United. So don't go trying to reinvent sales leadership. Tap into the proven training and techniques used by some of the most successful sales leaders in the world and head over to Sales Leadership United. Now, I also want to thank our listeners. We're at a moment where we're growing so fast. I just had to to say a special thank you. We're getting about 30,000 downloads a month right now, and the show just keeps growing so fast. It's mind-boggling to me that this show is now being listened to by so many leaders in so many countries around the world. And many of you have told me you've listened to every single one of our now 177 episodes. So thank you. Because there is no show without you. I do this because I love the sales leadership community, and I'm so grateful that so many of you find the show helpful. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Your support of the show has been humbling, but it's also been inspiring. And my commitment to you is I'll keep bringing the killer guests to you every single week. And this week is no different. I am such a big fan of Mike Weinberg. I mean, a big, big fan. I have followed him for years and I was pumped to have him join me on the show. He's someone I've learned so much from over my career. And this conversation did not disappoint. This is one you're going to want to like save and download and keep and, and go back to, to review. Because early on, Mike shared a concept I just haven't stopped thinking about. He called it faux leadership by email or CRM. And he talked about how the job of a sales leader has devolved in recent years to being just a desk jockey. And I think he's right. And, and then as we've had so much more change in the last couple of years, like he says it so well, it's a mess. And we haven't evolved as leaders enough. Uh, I think he's right. There's been a lot of uh, of de- devolution, I guess is the word. And, and I hope that you caught and had resonate with you the statement that he shared early that resonated with me. He said, sales, and I'm going to add, and sales leadership is more about the heart than it is about the head. And I want you to think about that one for a second. It's more about the heart than it is about the head. And maybe my favorite part of it is it was one of the first times in this show that he attributed this, and then he went on to attribute much of what he talks about as a leader to a mentor of his, Donnie Williams. It was so interesting to me how much influence this leader that was a mentor of his had on Mike. If all you get from this episode is that Mike had massive influence from his mentor, and you commit to want to have that kind of influence in your reps, this was a good episode for you. If that's all you got, you will get way more, obviously, because there's so much to this episode. I'm going to say it again. It's one you're going to want to check out a few times. But this is the so what for me. What you say and what you do as a leader matters. It matters a lot. It matters to those you lead. It matters more than just the numbers. And if there's one thing I really got from this awesome conversation I was fortunate to have with Mike Weinberg, it's what it's that what you say is important. How you engage is important. You have the chance to be significant. You have the chance to be a difference maker in the lives of every single person fortunate enough to work with you. And unfortunately, 
most salespeople don't have that person that became that difference maker. I think it's around 20% of reps have that difference making leader in their life. And every rep wants it. That's one of the first things Mike talked about is they crave it. They desire it. They want it. Every single one. And so Mike give great insights on how to be that sales leader that creates influence, not just that sales leader that tries to keep things on the tracks. So yeah, give them what they need. Give them that affirmation. Give them that insight. Give them that connection. Be intentional with what you say and how you create connection uh, because that connection trust is what will empower those you lead. And I think Mike's right. He said it early. You can kick ass and still be human. You, you don't have to micromanage. You can have accountability without having micromanagement. A lot of powerful insights here. I work with a lot of people as they start their, their leadership journey and they're afraid of being a micromanager. And we got some great insights today on how to avoid doing that, right? Um, each of us occupies more mental and emotional space with each of our reps than we probably give ourselves credit for. And we need to demonstrate that we're here for them, not the other way around. They aren't here to help us hit a team number. We're here for them to help them have success in life, not just in work. So connect care about the whole person, not just the salesperson. And be very intentional about how you interact with those you lead. Listening to Mike talk about his mentor, Donnie, was super meaningful to me. Every time he did it, I went back and listened to this episode a couple of times. He does it through the whole thing. And that's why this idea of being more than just a desk jockey, I think is so important and so meaningful and so critical that every one of us listening says, how do I become a Donnie to the people that I lead? Because I hope you heard the energy and felt the energy and the passion in his voice as he talked about the high-value activities that can help you become that person, right? One of the things he shared was that success in this role as a sales leader is about being selfless, not selfish. And, and that success only comes if you really do connect with the people you lead. So my challenge to you is to rethink your approach with each member of the team. Some follow a do-it-yourself model. They expect the members of their team to figure out the roadmap to success. I'm going to tell you that's a rookie approach. Some are going to follow the done-for-you model. Those are leaders that jump in and do what Mike said. They play the hero, and they do whatever must be done in order to make sure the deals come in. And you work tirelessly, tirelessly but I'm going to tell you that's a rookie approach as well because you're not fulfilling your role. You're not helping people grow. You're not scaling it. Listen, great leaders don't just hit a number. Great leaders don't just tell people what to do. Great leaders create great influence. Great leaders create great clarity. Great leaders create great connection. Great leaders create great commitment. They help people make the choice to willingly change, to grow, to become, to freely say, I am going to become more. Because the leader has an approach that demonstrates to the person they lead that they are there for them, not just for the number. Mike never stopped referring to the influence of Donnie Williams. And I don't know how long ago it was, but I, I assume it's been years since he worked for him. Kind of reminded me of Jerry Maguire, where they had the, uh, the old school manager getting referred to with little cameos throughout the whole show. Um, that, that's who Donnie was to Mike. He kept making cameos throughout this whole episode. I want you to make cameos throughout the careers and lives of those you lead, Okay. And, and the fact that Mike stopped, never stopped referring to Donnie should speak louder to you than any of the other insights he shared. And that's saying something because those other insights were pure gold. So I want you to ask yourself a couple of questions. Are you a sales leader that creates life-changing years to those you lead? Are you someone that has helped each individual have well-lit pathways to success 
And success isn't just dictated by what you think or the company thinks. Success needs to be also dictated by what they think. Are you someone that is a difference maker? I want to finish by just challenging you to choose this week to be that difference-making leader, not just another manager. So, Mike, thank you so much for joining me. It's obvious why you've had so much success and why you continue to have so much impact to this community of sales leaders all around the world. This episode we recorded, it was so important for every single member of the sales leadership community to hear. The ability to connect and become legendary as a leader is something every single listener can relate to. And I hope every single person that heard it is better off for having heard it today. I hope you can come back and continue this conversation with me again. And to each of you listening to this episode, connect with Mike. Do it today. Get his books. Read them. Apply them. Subscribe to his podcast. Connect to him on LinkedIn. And then become that leader to each member of your team like Donnie was to Mike. Become elite, be legendary, and be that difference maker so few get the opportunity to work with. Finally, to each of you, our listeners, thanks again. And if you liked this episode, please, please head out and give us a five-star review on iTunes. It goes a long way in helping me get the best guests in the world on our show. But the best compliment you can give us is to share this episode with your friends and colleagues. Share the show with someone who needs to hear it. And then be elite, live strong, chase those passions, and whatever you do, don't worry, just execute, because we got you. Thank you so much for joining the Sales Leadership Podcast, the award-winning sales leadership podcast for those sales leaders looking to create legendary impact to those they lead. The greatest compliment you can give is to share this show and any of your favorite episodes with your fellow sales leaders, social media followers, or other communities you're part of. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by the Jepson Performance Group. If you want to discuss any of the topics discussed on the show, want to level up your leadership impact, discuss executive coaching services, or even include me at an upcoming event, hit me up at rob at jetpg.com. That's rob at jeppg.com. And to those of you working to become a legendary sales leader, I salute you and wish you much success on your journey. Whenever you need someone in your corner, you know where to find me.